Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Are you a high performing real estate investor who's looking to further elevate your performance? If so, Download our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits by joining our insider network at elevatepod.com. This guide created by yours truly has the power to put your transformation on autopilot and exponentially change your trajectory. Go get your free copy now at elevatepod.com. If you're looking to take your business and life to a whole new level and you're committed to investing in yourself, you're invited to apply for one-to-one coaching with me, which you can learn more about at coachwithtyler.com or sign up for the life-changing Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy, where together with our tribe, you'll learn how to elevate your game, make more money and have more freedom. Check out the free masterclass at elevatecoachingacademy.com. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I am blessed and grateful because today I'm sitting with Christopher Dedion, my man. You are going to learn so much from this episode. I'm telling you, if you want to be a peak performer, today is the episode for you. And I have no doubt if you're listening to Elevate, you want to be a peak performer because this is a way that you can transform your business. This is a way that you can transform your life. You can step into the life of other people's dreams. The dream life that you've always visualized for yourself is possible and it's possible through peak performance. I want to tell you that if you felt like you needed some resiliency to get to where you are, let me tell you, you're probably going to need more of that as you move forward because what got you here is not going to get you there. It's not going to get easier. You're just going to get better. Let me just tell you that. And if you want to learn from one of the hardest working people that I know, one of the most value driven people that I know, today is the episode for you. I want to tell you also that your greatest weakness perhaps is your greatest strength. And I think you're really going to learn that today from the story of Christopher Dedion. Today is an incredible conversation. I feel like this is my brother. And uh, I feel like you are going to love this so much because it's going to impact you. It's going to help you transform your identity because at the end of the day, our identity and the way that we see ourselves is the strongest force in our lives. And so today is all about making a shift in your identity, not only from what you understand consciously, but also subconsciously or beneath the surface. And really it's about making a shift really in who you are and what you show up as And that can be so much more profound than just understanding a new tactic or a new strategy. This is about making quantum change. And I want to welcome you back to the show where we sit down for mind-expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. Are you ready to take it to another level? I have no doubt we're going to do that today. This is for high-performing real estate investors who want to be and who have a burning desire to be even higher performing. It is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And of course, absolutely today, we're going to distill the mindset, the habits, the routines, the systems, the tools, the strategies, and so much more from Christopher Dadion so that you can elevate to a life without limits and even more, right? You can have even more if you give to others and if you understand what your habits are and really how you can hone in that how, because as I'll give you a little hint here, Christopher says, hey, the habits are the how. Your identity 
is really what it takes to really make quantum change in your life. And he's going to show you exactly how to do that today. This is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing, through personal growth, through other ventures, and most importantly, and ultimately in their lives. If you are enjoying Elevate, just want to thank you so much for being here. I want to thank you so much for listening and you know really supporting us because at the end of the day, we and I are nothing here if it wasn't for you, our listener, our viewer. So I'm just so grateful to have the opportunity to bring these type of amazing conversations to you because this is what it's all about. It's about giving. And uh, if you're joining, if you are enjoying this, uh, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, a review, because not only is that some way for you to pay it forward and help other people recognize that the abundance mindset is something that they can own as well. It's something that they can apply to their life immediately. So that's a way for you to really exhibit your abundance mindset is by giving us, giving us a rating and a review. It's something that very much helps us. And we're going to continue to bring the heat. And uh, the fee for you to be here today is only to pay it forward. Share this with a friend, share this with a colleague, family member, someone that you care about, or maybe even somebody that you don't know as well, but you really want to show them that this is a way for them to transform their life. Today is that day. I want to introduce you to Christopher Dedian, who is a professional speaker and peak performance expert who helps entrepreneurs, leaders, and employees alike manage stress, increase productivity, and have more energy. He always gets his message across in a humoristic, charming, and energetic and passionate way. I can tell you that is true. And he absolutely did that today. He develops his entrepreneurial skills and communication skills during the five years he built and ran his real estate brokerage company. During that time, Christopher noticed that he could help his colleagues with self-development by incorporating new rituals and habits in their lives that help them not only in their business, but also in their personal lives as well. He was diagnosed with dyslexia at the age of eight as he faced many failures along the way. Because of this relentless attitude of never giving up, the failures taught him how to succeed, and he attributes a huge part of his success as an entrepreneur to the lessons he learned growing up in the schooling system as a dyslexic, and I think you're going to get a ton of clues today in how you can turn your greatest weakness into your greatest strength as an example of what Christopher has done here. He also helps his coaching clients to become the best version of themselves. He truly believes in self-development. He doesn't only talk the talk, but he walks the walk with himself having eight coaches and mentors for all facets and aspects of life. These advisors help him and keep him accountable to become the best version of himself so he can ultimately serve others. Christopher has spoken in front of thousands of people in classrooms, universities, companies, and professional associations as a keynote speaker. He has also been featured in the Le Devoir, Canal V La Belle Gang and has worked with the Ministry of Education of Quebec for their policy on educational success. So without further ado, please enjoy this amazing conversation with Christopher Didion. Christopher, my friend, welcome to the show. How are you? I am great, Tyler. Thank you very much for having me. I know that this is going to be a fun-filled conversation as before we started this recording, we're already going back and forth. So really looking forward to it, brother. Thank you for having me. I know. And you know, the thing is we were born, what, like three weeks apart, like literally 32 years ago. So there's so much 
that we're really aligned for. Like this, this relationship was built for this moment. What do you think about that, Chris? I mean, first of all, <laughs> thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. And I didn't even know that it's your birthday literally in a couple of days and you're turning 32, just like I did in the beginning of the month, April 6th. So hundred percent, I feel that synergy. I feel that vibration. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, you know, one thing that I love to start these conversations with is, is how other people would describe you and really taking a a vantage point and really stepping out of yourself and seeing yourself as the people that are closest to you see you. And so I'd love what I'd love to do is I'd love to ask you, you know, your closest friends, your family members, how would they describe Christopher Dedian? First of all, Tyler, you're a superstar, brother. Listen, I've been doing this for a minute. It's the first time I got asked that question, and it is such a good question. Why? It because it's position it's positioning you in a way, in a different perspective to analyze who you are in a third person. So just hats off. And if Thank somebody's you. not ready for that, that's a tough question. But <laughs> on, on my end, I mean, there's so many ways you could look at it but it's it's gonna feel like i'm just gonna throw some flowers on myself Let, let's let's just hang with me for a second here but i guess the number one thing would be resilient would be hardworking, would be ethical would be value driven would be intense as well would be sometimes uh, like overwhelming with his energy that could that could be there too and yeah, that's, that's what it would be overall. It's just somebody just go gets it. Just, just always towards a target and just value driven and just enjoy life. A lot of people think that as well of me, like I have high energy and I have fun all the time and I smile. So I guess that would, that would be it. No, that's so good. And I appreciate you taking a swing at that curveball because, you know, starting with that in mind in terms of, Hey, you know, let's, let's challenge each other in this conversation. And I knew that you were up for that. I knew that you were, I could just feel that about you, but I would love to know where does all that come from? The resiliency, the hardworking nature, the value driven, and even that intensity, if you were to look back, I mean, where does that come from? Honestly, for me, it is so clear. Like I'm blessed that I know exactly how to answer that. And that comes with my dyslexia. So for people who don't know what dyslexia is, it's a learning disability that is linked up with reading and writing. And at the age of eight years old, I was blessed to be diagnosed at a young age with dyslexia. My parents noticed that there was something wrong, noticed that I was trying really hard in school and reading was just not happening for me. So they got me diagnosed and found out at eight years old, I was, I was dyslexic. And I don't know if this is a story, like Tyler, I've been saying this so much. I don't know if it's a story that I've been telling myself and it's anchored in as the truth or really was the truth. But I remember vividly my mom telling me at eight years old in the middle of the school year that, I'm, that we're going to change schools. I'm going to leave my friends from where I go to a specialized school, which is called actually Vanguard. And it's going to be a school that's going to help me out. I remember vividly thinking at that moment at eight years old, believe it or not, thinking that, hey, okay, I can't F around with this. Sorry for that language, but I can't joke around. It, so I have to take this seriously if I want to succeed. And that's where that resilience started because from a young age, I have faced failure consistently and frequently, and I had to learn how to live with it. And honestly, what is success? It's falling and getting up and continuing. Or even we could use uh, a very famous quote of like, hey, success is just going from one failure to another without losing enthusiasm right? So that's good. Winston Churchill that said that. And that's exactly what it is. I don't like you're an entrepreneur. This whole thing is about real estate investors. I kid you not. If you haven't lost thousands and thousands of dollars as a real estate investor, you're not a real estate investor. It's just a truth. It's going to happen. Hopefully at, at the point. end of the curve, you're not as much. that's just the truth. 
Yeah, no, that's so good. And it, it's going to happen at some point. So how resilient are you? And I couldn't think of, you know, really a more important attribute, to be honest with you, in terms of success long term is resiliency. Because if you haven't run into that massive failure, you will. And if you haven't run into several or many, then just recognize that that will happen. And it's not about being, oh, well, you know, woe is me and I'm scared about the future, but it's excitement because resilience allows you to find the gift in those challenges. But, you know, talk to me a little bit more about your upbringing, talking about the dyslexia. And obviously it's really interesting, as you described, when you were eight years old, you actually even remembered that like, hey, I gotta, I can't mess around. I gotta take this seriously. So you seriously remember that thought process as an eight-year-old? 100%. Wow. And you know what's even crazier? Like I've never done drugs in my life. And the reason why is because of that. Cause I was like, yo, I already have dyslexia. I'm like, if, if it is true that you, you smoke and you do whatever, you could lose some brain, uh, brain cells. I'm like, <laughs> I can't afford to lose anything. So that's like, I have so many moments like that, that I really have to take that, that mindset of, listen, if I want to succeed at this, I have no choice, but to put in the work. And I knew that I had to put in the work two times harder than anybody else being dyslexic. So that was a thought pattern, but yeah, thank you for that question. And essentially the whole process in itself, like I mentioned, my parents realized I was dyslexic, jumped from one school to another until they found the specialized school called Vanguard, which is a school specialized for students with learning disabilities. And at that point, when I got into that school, uh, I started understanding what dyslexia was. I started being more comfortable with it because I had the proper tools, attributes, and the proper teachers around me that were able to give me the tricks, the methodologies to live with it. And oddly enough, now being a coach, I have a, like a lot of clients that are extremely successful entrepreneurs and they are dyslexic, but they've never learned how to live with it. And I teach mm. them a lot of like how to use this, how to use that to really optimize uh, your skill assets and your your capabilities to bring it to the next level. So yeah, that, that was the whole like, like bring up in itself. And that's how I really got into speaking and coaching. It was really just uh, like, kind of lucky how it happened to be quite honest. And yeah, cause I was actually a real estate broker. That was my career. And then there was a shift that happened that got me into the speaking industry and the coaching industry. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Cause I find that to be really interesting when I was studying a little bit about your background, I'm learning about how, as you became more successful as a real estate broker, you started to share some of your rituals and habits and strategies with other people around you to help them become more successful. And obviously as a team, you continued to build more success. But what you found was that you were really passionate about personal growth, personal development, and really optimizing your performance and stepping into a peak performance lifestyle. So could you talk a little bit about that experience? 100% Tyler. So, I mean, you, you got it spot on. Like uh, I started in, in real estate, just like I mentioned in the beginning that you start anything, especially in real estate, it's not easy. Like legit the first year and a half, I literally paid to be a broker. And then it started popping. I was in my mid twenties. I was successful in the common conception of what is success, you know, making money, had a nice car, had the nice suits, the whole nine. And I was going into that framework, but then I realized there was something missing and I had a hard time figuring that out. That being said, within that, I knew that a lot of this had to be with personal development. So I really got interested in the personal development field and meditation and reading books, so on and so forth. And then the people around me, my team around me noticed that. So they always used to come and ask me questions about, hey, how come you wake up at 4 a.m.? How come you work out so much? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why do you read books? And then I started teaching them and telling them, hey, do this, do that. And I saw how it was valuable to, to express and share this knowledge and see what results is bringing to these people. And I realized, I'm like, hey, this is an actual thing that I could do. And the actual kicker, Tyler, if you permit, I want to kind of tell you how this happened, really. It was actually 
my speech therapist that called me to ask me a question about uh, a property that she wanted to sell. And after she told me about the property, we spoke a few minutes and she's like, Chris, how's it going with you? And at that point I was at the peak of my real estate career. So I just went on a tangent. I'm like, it's going great. I'm successful, so on and so forth. And she's like, Hey, I'm the keynote speaker at this event put together by the learning disability Institute of Quebec. I would love for you to come and speak about your journey as a successful dyslexic entrepreneur. I'm like, beautiful, hundred percent. I'm there. And listen, Taylor, I mean, the same evening, few hours later, she sends me an email and a big subjects letter saying, Chris, I don't think you should do this speech because there's still a lot of people that have a negative misconception about dyslexia and you might lose some clients because of this. And I was new in the industry. Wow. Exactly. Now, that being said, she was she was coming from a place of love. She was coming from a place if she wanted to protect me because she's like, hey, you know, like there's that out there. And she maybe didn't think about it when she offered it to me. On that same email, I wrote, Bridget, I think I should do this uh, this uh, speech. I'll call you Monday to talk about it. Why? Monday rolls around. I give her a call. I'm like, Bridget, listen, if I'm not doing this speech, I'm fake. I'm not helping the kids on the school benches. I'm not helping the next generation of kids. And I'm not helping my future kids because it's something hereditary. And I'm like, if anybody doesn't want to work with me because I'm dyslexic, those are not clients that I want to work with. And she's like, absolutely. I agree with you. I just wanted to come from you. I'm like on the same page. Let's do this. Beautiful. So I'm like, how many people are there? She's like, it's going to be about 200 people. I mean, brother, Tyler, I walked into that room, looked left and right, and there wasn't 200 people. It was over like a thousand people. <laughs> At this point, I've never been on stage. My heart is beating, sweat is dripping down my face. I'm like, what the heck did I get into? And I just see speaker after speaker going on stage. And then my time comes, like, Chris, come on stage. And then I go on the stage and it was like this magical moment is probably like, one way I could explain it, like my whole life was preparing me for this particular moment in itself. And it was just, I was in, I was, I was living my true purpose. And I never knew that that's what wow. it was. It was to transmit information. It was to help others. And I was doing it in this format through, through the stage. And what happened afterwards with somebody that, you know, our common um, uh, connection, Trevor watched my uh, speech and I had hired him literally to be my coach two weeks before that speech. And you watch that speech. And afterwards, he's like, Chris, you hired me to train you to become a peak performing broker even more than what you are right now. He's like, that's not what we're going to do. He's like, you're meant to be a world-class speaker and coach. Wow. I'm like, Trevor, what are you talking about? I'm like, can we even make money in this? I'm like, is it an industry? <laughs> like, I didn't know nothing about it. He's like, not only are you going to make money, he's like, you're going to be one of the top ones in the industry. And that's how my career completely shifted. I completely found my purpose. And then I just jumped from literally one business to another a lot of people thought I was crazy. They're like, you started a huge business. You're young, you're successful. And you're going towards something that not a lot of people understood and still not a lot of people understand. Now there's like a lot more people that are understanding the industry, but yeah, it, it was, that was the jump. And that's how I got into speaking and being a coach in itself. Okay. So let's decode that because that's an, a really powerful experience that we can really look back on and, and really deconstruct the entire experience because it's almost like you're, obviously the challenge that you had growing up became your greatest gift. And there was still a roadblock where someone else who really cared about you said, Hey, maybe you shouldn't do this because it might hurt actually hurt your career. But you deep down, you recognize that this is a great opportunity. And this is an opportunity of a lifetime that I need to step into. I need to serve the greater good from what I understand about dyslexia. And then you step there on the stage and you recognize that this is what you were meant to do. Could you talk a little bit more about that? And really, if you were to go back and decode that experience, what does that look like for you? 
I, I love the way you just broke that down, Tyler. And here's what it comes down to. I've never taken a decision that was the most valuable without listening to my gut. It's you feel it within you. And a lot of the business deals I've done, the, the meeting up with the right people, so on and so forth, when my gut felt it right, I went for it. Then I look at it in a cerebral way. Like, hey, does it make sense? Does it not make sense? Or whatever the case is. I don't do it the other way around. And an analogy I could give is buying a Ferrari. There's no logical reason anybody should buy a Ferrari. It just doesn't make sense. I'm like, you're buying a half a million dollar car when you could buy a Civic that's going to give you exactly the same thing. Why do you buy a Ferrari? Because it makes you feel good because you enjoy it. And there's like this gut feeling around it. And it's like, it's pleasurable, right? So you buy it out of that emotion, out of that reason of being, and then you logic why you have it. The logic comes afterwards. And that's the same thing when it comes to things like this. So if I would have repressed my actual gut instinct pulling me towards something, then I would have never succeeded. And unfortunately, Tyler, there's a lot of people that do that within their life and they repress it, calling it out of practicality. Maybe they repress that business that they want to start. Maybe they repress quitting their job. Maybe they repress that big deal that's maybe stretching them a bit more, but they repress it, calling it out of practicality because they have bills to pay, because they have kids, they have this, they have that. And all that is true. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm not saying it's not going to hurt, but you have to be very eloquently in touch with yourself and listen to your gut because it already knows where you should be going. You already have that calling and you should go towards it. So that's the way I would speak towards that. And that's how it happened to me. Now I'm able to speak towards it because I understand the process. But back then, if you would ask me, I had no idea. I was just going with what I was feeling that was right. Yeah, no, that's extremely powerful. And I think about, you know, the gut or the intuition as almost infinite intelligence. And when you think about it, if you can tap into that, you almost tap into this limitless resource yes. that can give you the answers before you actually intellectually understands it. Does that does that resonate with you? Not only resonates with you, that's the code. That is the code. <laughs> like when people say we meditate, that's why they're doing it. That's what they're, they're turning within it. The answers are not without, they're always within. And once you're able to center yourself with mother earth and the universe, all those answers are there. You realize everything that's happening outside of you is just objects. It's just things that are triggering, triggering inside of you. So if you're getting in an argument with a business partner, with a spouse, with this, with that, it's not about the argument. It's not about the conversation. It's not about the person. It's about why does that thing trigger something within you? And then you go within to look at that thing that's triggering within you. So if you're able to go into that, like you said, infinite wisdom, then you are truly living a higher purpose, a higher vibration, a higher frequency. 100% agree with you. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about is, is serving other people, right? Because I think that's the core to all business mm -hmm. is serving and adding value to people. And so when I think about adding value to other people, I believe, and I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Christopher. I believe that if we can use our intuition to sense what's not being said, we have a greater a capacity to a greater degree to be able to serve other people. And so I believe that comes from training your intuition. I believe that comes from listening. I believe that comes from tuning in instead of just using our mind. Do you agree with that? What are your thoughts around that? hundred percent agree with it. hundred percent agree with it. So first and foremost, talk about value. Everything I believe in as an entrepreneur, as a human being should be value driven should always be value driven so much. So like I'm a huge fan of, of capitalism and like the, this whole society that we live in, like, you know, work and earn the most money, beautiful. The only thing I think that could be tweaked is capitalism with empathy and value driven a bit more. Uh, I do believe we were, we're going towards capitalism that just a bit more on the greed side. And we're talking about not everybody, but greater picture. If we're able to have more value driven 
entrepreneurs, and there are a lot out there, but if we're able to take it to the next level, that's when I believe society is going to go forward with more love, joy, happiness, respect, and empathy. And that starts with value. And value could be as easy as giving your service, putting a product out there. Let's take an example, Steve Jobs, by him living his true purpose, he created this phone that created millions of industries subcategorized to that. And did it bring you value? 100% he brought value. So it's always that value-driven aspect behind it. So yes, if, if people are supposed to be able to connect to their inner being, then they'll be able to live their greater purpose. And if every single individual lives their purpose as a society, we're going to move forward with more joy, love, empathy, and respect. 100%. So, so what would you suggest to folks who want to connect to their greater purpose, who maybe they haven't been able to tune in, maybe they haven't been in alignment with that, and they, they can maybe feel that as they're listening to this conversation. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I understand what they're saying, but I don't truly understand it. I can't embody that. Are there any suggestions that you might give to the listener? That is a great question. I would answer it in twofold. First and foremost, it's probably the thing that you are afraid of that scares you a bit. Okay. And let me just define that. There's a difference between danger and fear. If you, if you, after hear this, you're like, Hey, Chris told me to be afraid. And then he's going to go on a building and jump off the building. Oh, I'm scared. No brother. That's dangerous. That's just stupid. Okay. That's completely not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is maybe you're somewhere and you see that pretty person across the, the table and you're like, yo, this person looks really cool. Let me go up to them. That fear is there. But if you listen to it, you're going to sit down and never meet that person. Maybe that fear is, oh my God, I'm doing a real estate deal. Usually I've done 10 doors. Now I'm doing a hundred doors. Oh my God, it's so much more scary. Oh, you know what? There's another option to do a 10 door. Let me do that one. It's safer. No, maybe that 10, that hundred doors is the one you have to go towards because it's going to expand your knowledge, expand your connection, stretch you a bit more. Maybe you're going to have to be a bit more eloquent in the way that you're spending your money to invest that for that property. That's the fear that I'm talking about. So first of all, listen to your inner intuition because it already knows towards pushing you to stretch. So which is growing your comfort zone. So that's the first way I would, I would answer that. Second thing I would answer that moment of silence. Now we could call it meditation. Now when I'm talking about meditation, once again, I don't know if like people are know it to a certain degree or not. Meditation is like the same concept as sports. What do I mean by that? If somebody say, Hey, I do sports. Have you ever anybody, have you ever heard anybody say I do sports? No, they say, Oh, I play soccer. Okay, cool. What position do you play? Oh, I'm a striker. Okay, cool. Well, are you lefty or righty? It goes in degrees. So meditation is very large for me. Meditation in a sense could be just take time to sit down, be quiet with yourself and ask yourself some questions or just let yourself being in that moment, which is being in the now. Now there's different ways to do it. You could sit down, meditate. You could do walking meditation. You could do it in the shower. You could do it while playing sports, whatever the, the, like whatever floats your boat essentially, but take time for yourself. And Tyler, that beginning question that you asked, be like, Hey, Chris, look at yourself in a different perspective. What would people tell you about you? The only way I could answer that is because I've done so many hours of meditating, so many hours of silence moment that I've analyzed myself. So take time to analyze yourself. Massive clarity is the key to your success. So that's the I two love, ways I would go about it. I really like that analyze yourself piece. That yeah. one to me is is huge. And, and sometimes we get so caught up in that voice. We get so caught up in those thoughts and we think that we are that, right? And you think that, well, I've got all these things in my mind and I am this, I am tired, I am fearful, or I am stressed out. But guess what? That's just the belief, right? What, what would you say about that, Christopher? I, I love you just said that. So here's the thing. When you're saying I am tired, that is not false. Tired is an emotion you're feeling. Angry is an emotion you're feeling. You are not that person. Once you say you are, then your subconscious mind is going to start believing it and start bringing it into reality. You're not that. 
Shit, I'm not Christopher Deadhand. Bro, you're not Tyler. Those are given names. We're so much more than that. The reality of the matter is we're just vehicles of the universe here to serve. As you're understanding what your purpose is here to serve, then you're able to understand all of these things objectively from your emotions to the situations you're going through, to the ups, to the downs, to the failures, to the successes. And as you're able to look at it almost in a stoic approach, and I know that you're, you're a fan of stoicism as well, because I know that you're a fan of uh, Marcus Aurelius meditation. Once you're able to approach this in a stoic way, you're able to not have the downs in such a low down, but understand it's just a question of time. It's going to go back up and not have the highs with overwhelming like cockiness yeah. it's gonna position you in a way of humbleness that's the way to look at it and if you're able to do that consistently and repetitively then you're winning in life because you're not going down this roller coaster of emotions and once you're able to be stable with that and appreciate the highs appreciate the lows then you're just stable and just going to be going forward gradually always going up hey guys just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show this episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I want to, want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. No, I love that. And and the word that I put to that is equanimity, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's staying in the middle. It's it's not getting too emotional. And it is a training, right? It's separating yes. yourself from experiences or from the environment. It's such a powerful experience. But but at, it gets stronger over time. I don't know about you, Christopher, but you know, for a while, this was not very easy for me. But as I continue to take that moment of silence and listen and observe, the more and more when an event happens, I can look at this and say, oh, how interesting. Do you re Does that resonate with you? 100%. And once again, I'm going to use the analogy of sports because it's just so uh, easy to do so over here. And I think I'm going to draw this picture for the listeners over here. It's exactly the same thing as when you're going in the gym. The first time you're going to the gym and you're doing your biceps and you take maybe a 20 pounder, you're like, oh my God, this is hard. Then you start with the 10 and then you gradually go up to a 10, a 20 pound and 30, 40 and so on and so forth. It takes time. It's a process. If you're doing the weights that you're doing now at the first day, it would be physically impossible. Now, if you imagine you got up to that 50 pound of like bench, bench press or whatever the, whatever the exercise you're doing is that a particular weight. And then you stop for X amount of time and go back. You're not able to do that same weight. So this is what it comes down to. You have to continually practice. You're, you're only going to get better. And not only that, even throughout your practice, there's certain times that you sit down through a meditation or whatever. There's certain days that are better than others. 
Just like in the gym, there's certain days you go in, you feel like Hulk, you're pushing everything. And then the next day you're going, you're like, oh my God, I can't do anything. So you have to be aware of that, understand that it's a process and understand, just like Zig Ziglar said, motivation is like taking a bath. You don't take a bath one time and you're like, oh, I'm clean for the rest of the year. No, you have to do it consistently and repetitively for it to stick and work out. And that's how you really go into it. And that's how when things happen to you, Tyler, you're able to almost see it like in the matrix where the bullet passes by super slowly and then you don't react to situations, you respond to them. That's the actual situation. This is amazing. And this is so good and so important because it's the training, it's the practice that prepares you for those moments to where now things can slow down. Now I can make more effective and impactful decisions rather than being the default mechanism of my environment. Because there are challenges, there are things in our world where we are basically forced into making bad decisions. But if we train ourselves, if we practice, we can make effective and impactful decisions based on our intuition, based on our gut, based on the vision and the purpose that we have for ourselves. So is this what you mean by peak performance? Could you talk a little bit about that? 100%. So peak performance for me is performing at a very high level consistently throughout every single area of your life and repetitively. And it's not always being on 10 on 10 because it's not possible. Let's just be honest. It's being eight on 10 consistently, seven on 10 consistently. And even if you have a down day, because it's completely normal that you do, you appreciate it and you give your 10 on 10 for that day. So if you're having a down day and for you just writing one email is like the, the win of the day, then that's what it is to be peak performing. It's just pushing to the max of your capabilities for that particular moment, not comparing it to yesterday, not comparing it to tomorrow. It's for that moment. Does that it's make sense? like, yeah, it's almost like regulating and managing your habits and being aware of your, not, not necessarily your habits, but your energy for that moment. Is that, am I, am I understanding that correctly? hundred percent. And you did mention habits over there. Habits is the how habits is the vehicles to become a peak performer because there is no other way to get there without the proper rituals, without the proper habits and without the proper systemization within your business and life. Because if you don't have that, then it's just not going to happen. If you're approaching it with your eyes closed, you're just not going to succeed at it. And the way to go about it is with your habits, your rituals, and that's what's going to make you a high achieving individual. And once again, we could use analogy of professional athletes. We could use any analogy of a, a book author. It's what they do every single day in a repetitive way that compounds over time that gives them big success. And this is where people have sometimes difficulty understanding. They think success is sexy. Success isn't sexy. It's not that big deal. It's not that million dollar deal. It's not that, wow, I'm an author. It's not, it's, it's what they do every single day in such a boring, repetitive way that compounds over time. And then a little while back, they look back, they're like, oh, wow, look at where I'm at. But it's because they woke up every single day. They did what they needed to do. Maybe they wrote a, they wrote a chapter every single day. They wrote a page every single day. They went to work out every single day when they didn't feel like it. They called that broker every single day when they didn't feel like it. They went out running when it was raining. Whatever the case is, it's that is what it really is when it comes to success and peak performance. No, it's so good. And I almost feel like you fall in love with that mundane. You fall in love with that that boring, you know, the ugly. It's like the ugly, but then you make that ugly sexy over time because you become so obsessed with it and it becomes a part of you who you are. And you mentioned as habits being the how, right? And, and habits and then the identity that you create as a result of committing to that consistent, persistent action over years at a time is what really creates the sexy circumstances, as you as you just mentioned, I would love to know, like for you, Christopher, what are some of the habits that have been extremely important for you or even the rituals that really set you up for living that lifestyle? So 
for me, 100%, it's my morning and evening rituals, 100%. Anything that has to do in the middle of the day, I call it my firefighting moments when I'm running my business as the CEO of Dead End Enterprises, talking with my employees or my subordinates or my clients and so on and so forth. But everything else that has really built my business is my morning rituals and my night rituals. And how it starts, if you permit it, every single morning I wake up at 4 a.m. From 4 to 4.20 approximately, I meditate. After my meditation, I go into my office and then I do my, um, my visualization, my affirmations. And after my visualization and my affirmations are done, then I go and I set my uh, gratitude work. So I do three things that I'm blessed about. I always write that down. And it always surprises me that I've never repeated myself, which I have so much to be blessed about as wow. you start really looking about it. And then once I'm done that, then I go and I set my intention for the day. I look at everything that I have to do. And then I set an intention. Like Tyler, today you were in my agenda and I'm like, all right, cool. I'm gonna have this amazing conversation, connect with this beautiful soul of an individual. And what's the, what's the purpose of this? And I set a purpose. I'm like, hey, I wanna connect. I wanna be here and give massive value. Because if I don't do it in the beginning of the day, throughout the day, I'm just running here, there. Like there's so much happening that I don't have time to, to really take that step back. So not only I'm doing it, but I'm setting it for my reticular activating system, which is essentially a part of your brain. That's the filter of your brain. And we could talk about that in an instant, but I'm setting the information that I want. So subconsciously, it's already giving me the words. It's already giving me the things that I need to tell you guys during this moment. And the same thing I do is when I have a business call, when I have a, a discovery call, when I have just a connection call, whatever the case is. Now, once that's done, then I'm in my mastermind moment, which usually is anywhere between uh, 45 minutes to an hour and a half, pending where I'm at within my process. And that I start creating. I don't do anything that has to do with clients, reading emails, uh, responding to my uh, uh, colleagues, my, uh, my partners, any of that. All I'm doing is I'm creating. So I create content. Uh, I am in just development because at that point, my mind is the most efficient, the most creative, and the most effective at its work. So I just highly create that. Then I go work out. I do CrossFit five days a week. So from six to seven, I'm doing CrossFit. Then I come back, read for 10, 15 minutes, and I'm hitting the shower. 8.30 is usually the first uh, uh, coaching call I have or the first activity pending uh, where I'm at within my day because I have specific activities per day for my week. So that's how that works. And real quick, my night routine, pending for summer or winter, my sleeping patterns change, obviously with the sun. My circadian rhythm changes with that. Obviously in the summer, if the, the sun goes down at 9 a.m., uh, not a.m., sorry, uh, 9 p.m., I'm not going to bed earlier, but during the winter, I go to bed around 8, 8.30, sometimes a bit earlier as well. And my night routine is an hour to, an, to 30 minutes before going to bed. I don't look at any electronics. I'm not working at anything. I don't want any blue lights. All I'm doing is I'm meditating, reading a book, then going to bed. So I'm preparing myself for that cool down moment. I can't just jump into bed. It has to have a cool down. Usually I take an hour and a half to an hour to get that process. So that's in a real quick way, my framework that has really brought some success towards me. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And, and you're the first person that has said that, you know, in each season or in different seasons, you have a different circadian rhythm. And I think that really resonates with me because the more I've studied and learned about sleep and the power of sleep and the importance of sleep, you recognize that we are on a circadian rhythm and, and each of us has a perhaps a slightly different circadian rhythm. So what resonates with you and recognizing that perhaps obviously the sun and the melatonin and all these different things will impact your level of sleep. And so being flexible and being nimble, but also that nighttime routine, I find to be extremely
extremely important. As I read my aura ring stats every night, I look at it and I say, well, how can I maximize this? How can I maximize my deep sleep, my REM sleep so that I can show up the next day and be the greatest version of myself? And thinking about this cool down, I think is extremely important. And thank you for giving us an insight in terms of how the bookends of your day. And I know we're going to get to books. We're going to talk about books here, here shortly, which I'm really excited about. But you were talking about something that is highly important. And I'd love for you to just go a little bit deeper on the reticular activating system. So how has that showed up for you? And how do you support that beautiful device that you have within your brain? So, so first of all, Awesome, awesome recap right there because everything you just said was golden, like uh, spot on with all of that. And it's very important to know your sleeping patterns. I'm glad that you use the aura ring. I've never used it. I have some of my clients that use it or other type of like uh, uh, measurement uh, tools to see your sleep. So that's amazing. And it is good to understand your melatonin levels and your serotonin levels, how it works when it starts secreting uh, real quick. Two hours after the sun goes down, your levels of melatonin goes up, but your melatonin is essentially the drug within your body that makes you fall asleep. And serotonin is the opposite that makes you wake up. And once you're using your blue screens, which is your computer, your cell phone, your TV, your serotonin level is going up. So that's why when you're like tired sometimes and you're watching Netflix and you're just going to next show, next show, you feel tired, but at the same time, you're kind of in a zombie state. That's because your serotonin and your melatonin levels are completely counteractivating and you're just feeling like zombie, which is not good for your recovery. So that's just one aspect over there. Now, when it comes to the reticular activating system, jumping from one thing to another, but following people. <laughs> so good though. So good. The recovery is so important. So I just wanted to highlight that. That's amazing. 100%, Go ahead. 100%, 100%. So when it comes to uh, your reticular activating system, the best way I could explain it, it's like the filter to your brain, to your mind. Right now, Tyler, we see over millions and millions of elements. Right now, you're looking at a laptop. There's a light. There's colors. There's this. There's that. There's so much happening. Your mind doesn't have the capacity to simulate all that information. So what it does is the reticular activating system takes the information that it thinks is pertinent to you and gives you that information. Now, the question I'm going to ask you, Tyler, have you ever bought a car before? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So you have bought a car. I'm sure the audience has bought a car as well. Maybe you took a month to study for that car. Maybe you took a week. Maybe you took a couple of days. You checked out what model, what engine, what price, what wheels, what leather, whatever the case is. And you pick your car. You go to the dealership. You're super happy. Get the keys. You get out. At the first red light, you see on the opposite side exactly the same car. You never noticed it before. You're like, oh, wow, I thought I was going to be unique. But look at this guy. He has the same car. Okay, cool. Go a bit further. You see another one. Then you see another one. You're like, oh, what's happening? What's happening is for so long, you concentrated on that particular car. So reticular activating system is saying, hey, Chris, this is important. Hey, Chris, look at the car. Hey, Chris, this is important for you. Now, where does this become relevant for us? This comes relevant on our thoughts, on what we think about and where we put our energy. If you look at only the negative, you're only going to see negative. You're only going to attract negative. If you only look at the positive and the opportunities, that's what you're going to attract. If you think about the good, that's what you're going to attract. So you have to program it so your subconscious mind knows what it's looking for because your subconscious mind is extremely powerful. It's like the earth and your conscious mind is like the gardener. The subconscious mind doesn't care what you plant. You could plant a beautiful apple tree and it'll grow and give you so much abundance of apple, just like you could plant poison and it will give you that in abundance as well. So that's why you have to utilize these techniques and understand the biochemistry of your mind to utilize it for your advantage to be a peak performer. So a lot of that is the things that I, I coach on, I teach on as well, because I'm just such a geek of the human body and more specifically the brain, the mind, and how to utilize it to our advantage to become peak performers. Sleep goes into that as well and so many other things. 
Christopher, this is beautiful. Let me just say the way that you laid that out and, and described the conscious mind as the gardener and the subconscious mind as the garden, that is such a beautiful image. And if you really think about it, we have the consciousness to make those choices, right? We have the consciousness to shape how does the subconscious mind manifest our reality. And I think that's such a beautiful distinction. And if you think about it with our subconscious mind being 95% of our brain, that is has that has so much power over the future that we create, whether it's in business, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in our health, whether it's in our happiness. I mean, this is one of the most powerful parts of any of the conversations that we've ever had on this podcast, because this is what it's all about. But one thing that you talked about earlier was stoicism and, you know, really separating yourself from, you know, your environment and also experiencing that equanimity and pl placing that into your practice. Are there any other philosophies that you've found to be extremely important or, or those that you've coached others on? Yes. Okay. First of all, thank you for that. Highlighting that aspect that that was a powerful part of your podcast, which I know that it's, you know, you've done, you've done this around. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of philosophy and not only philosophy, but history in general. You want to find out what's going to happen in the future? Just go read a history book. You want to find out what's going to happen with COVID? Just go read what happened in the Spanish flu and so on and so forth. Read what happened in the uh, roaring 20s. Like, guys, get ready. We're going to have a roaring 20s right after all this opens up. People are going to party for a minute. So there's some opportunities <laughs> for that. There really is. So That's if you're true. an entrepreneur, you have to be aware of like, okay, wait a minute. Let's be on the other side of this curve when this is going to happen. Like, there is going to be all that. Anyway, so that's that. Now, when it comes to your question on the aspect of there are some philosophies that I follow, once again, I'm going to stay in the, stoic, the stoicism world here and say memento mori. Memento mori is a Latin sentence, phrase, or word that means be aware of your mortality. This is probably the, one of the most powerful things that I do and that I have seen repetitively in books. Like I read just over a book a week. Last year, last year, I read 52 books. At this point, I'm at like 16, 17 books in the year, if not more than that. And I am just so surprised how many people bring that up. And now where is this important to us? Momento mori means being aware of your mortality. So there is moments that you should think about your death. There are moments that you should think about your funeral, about people coming up and talking about you. Just like Tyler did in the beginning about me. Hey, what would people think about you? This is a huge exercise to position yourself. One, what does that do? It clarifies that we're all going to die, which is okay. Second, it clarifies that we have an X amount of time on this earth. So are you actually utilizing that to your best of your advantage? Third, it clarifies that how do you want people to see you once you're gone? What is your legacy going to be? And that is just the most beautiful equalizer in the world. I don't care if you're the president. I don't care if you're freaking Tony Robbins. I don't care if you're the Pope. I don't care who you are. We're all going to die. We all put our pants on one legs at a time. So understanding that framework puts you in a humbler position throughout your victories and throughout your losses, which comes down to the equilibrium that you were talking about previously. So memento mori is definitely something that I think about on a highly level. It's almost sadistic, but I do think about my death uh, at least once a week. And I do think about the death of my close loved ones as well, which sucks ass, but I do about it because I'm like, hey, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm thinking about this. But then I come back and I'm like, hey, they're alive right now. Okay, cool. Let me call them. Hey, let me go out with them. Let me do this, whatever. It just keeps that like really perspective of what it is. And this momentum mori, once again, I'm going to say this last thing, has helped me out so much in moments as an entrepreneur. I've lost million dollar deals and I'm like, this sucks ass. But then I take a step back and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I could be dead or God forbid my mom could have died. 
what would be more, what, what would I want more to lose this million dollar deer or to lose my mom? I'm like, fuck this, my million dollar deer, my mom's here, that's cool. And then instantly I trained my framework and I'm like so happy. And you know what? I attract another million dollar deer, $2 million deer, $5 million deer, and so on and so forth. So it's that perspective that helps me out a lot. Okay. So that the, the last piece is what I really want to hone in on because you talked about obviously the energetic shift that occurs when you recognize, Hey, guess what? But I'm grateful for my life, you know, it, it, and then you put yourself back in the position to attract a new opportunity. Could you talk a little bit about the importance of that and why that practice has led you to the place of not, not wallowing in the failure of losing the million dollar deal, but setting yourself up in the position to gain the $2 million deal, the $4 yes. million deal, what have you? I, I love that question. And once again, this comes down to emotions and how to deal with it. Now imagine, let's use, let's keep on using this analogy of losing a million dollar deal. When that happens, you're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be frustrated. Now here's where the mistake happens that most of people do and they don't even know is that they allow that anger to control them for a determined time that they haven't determined. What I mean by that is that they're controlled by that anger. Maybe it's going to be a day. Maybe it's going to be a week. Maybe it's going to be months on end. And you're just only going to talk about that. That million dollar deal would have changed my life. And now you're two months later, you're still talking to your neighbors about it, this, that, and the other. But think about it. That energy that you're using negatively for X amount of time, you could have switched it and toward it something positive and you would have attracted something positive. Now, that being said, that loss of that million dollar deal is extremely important, but you decide how long you want to be there. Maybe it's five minutes. You're like, you know what? Let me be angry for the next five minutes. Maybe it's a day. Maybe it's a week. Whatever the time frame is, depending what the situation is. Obviously, because per situation, it changes. But once you eloquently decide how long you want to stay in this negative emotional home that I call it, then you embrace it. You take from it. You learn from it. Then when the time is done, you're like, I'm done with this. Now let's go back into my positive emotional home, which is somewhere that I decide to live 90 95% of the time. I'm like, Jet, let's go. Let's live there. All right, I lost this. Now what can I do to, live, to, to get it more? As you're able to position yourself, not only as the actor within your life, but as the director, and you're able to see what's playing out, then you're able to take the proper decisions and you see that you have the role within both parts. You're not just acting, you're 100% de- like controlling what's happening within your life in some way, shape, or form. Christopher, this is an extremely, extremely powerful conversation. I just really want to thank you so much because you're opening up the eyes of so many listeners as to what is possible, right? And and thinking about, you know, hey, guess what? I am going to die. So what I'm doing today is so important. And you think about this momentum more, I go back to that because I, I really am curious, like, what are you most excited about now as you connect with, hey, you know what? This isn't forever, but there is a present right now. What are you most excited about? these days? That's a great question. Honestly, it's so, it's so effed up. I'm getting a bit philosophical with you guys right now. I'm excited about building my business data and enterprises. I'm excited about that. I just hired my fifth colleague employee that I'm offering these, these great opportunities for, for people to put food on their table, to clothe their kids and so on and so forth. I'm just blessed and happy about that. But more than that, I'm excited about what the universe is preparing for me. And once again, this has nothing to do about cockiness. This is not about Christopher Dedian. It's about what is my life calling as a vehicle. And what I'm doing right now is beautiful, but I feel like there's something else 
that life is preparing me for. And I'm just excited to live through that process to see what it is. I have no idea what it is. And we're not supposed to know, like, just like Steve Jobs says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect it looking backwards. You just have to have faith that some way that these dots are going to connect. So I'm excited to see what life has to offer. Cause I do know that these preparing me for something bigger. It's always been bigger than me. It's always been to serve others. It's always been to bring more value. And it could be as simple as having this connection, as simple as I said one thing here that maybe just resonated with somebody with one way, shape or form. And then they said that to somebody else. And then that resonates to another person. It's this common good, this common helping. So I'm just excited about just helping others bring massive value and just impacting a billion lives before I die. So that's the way I would add to that. That's it, man. You, you know what? You are really inspiring me because, you know, just your goodness and your openness to, hey, what's next? And I think that's something that the listeners can really resonate with as well, because there's always something next for us. There's always something that we're being set up for in a bigger way. So being open to that, I think, is just so powerful and it resonates with me so deeply. Christopher, what an amazing conversation. I want to continue and I want to transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire. It's all about the uncommon nature of this conversation. It's all about really what you're all about. And I just so much appreciate this. Obviously, you're being a, you're a huge reader, someone who reads more than a book a week. I'd love to know if you were to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past couple of years, what would those be and why? Uh. Okay. Most impactful books. So here's the thing, uh, Tyler, I love that question and I hate it at the same time. Let me explain. <laughs> I, know, I know exactly what you mean. I'm with okay. you. 100%. <laughs> so here's the way I'm going to, I'm going to kind of unpack that. Now, why do I hate it? It's because when people ask me, Hey, what are your most impactful books or your favorite books? It kind of stipulates that you need to read one or two books to get the answer. And that's not the truth. Mm. The truth is you have to be a reader. It's not about reading one book and I finished it. It's about going on to the next one, going on to the next one. And it's that compound effect, once again, of the common knowledge you're gaining from a politician, from a philanthropist, from a CEO, from this and that. That's going to make you better. So first and foremost, if I could invite your readers, not your readers, but your listeners to read consistently, that's the number one thing. So it's not about one book. That being said, there's a lot of books that I'm going to mention. You want to say something? You're like, Go ahead. I have to say something that is... I, that's the best answer I've ever gotten on this question. And the reason why is because it's not necessarily about just the unpacking of one book. It's about the process of who you become. It's about changing your mind. It's about training your brain. It's about the habits and the creation of reading and learning and growing and questioning and updating your knowledge. So thank you so much for that gift. That was amazing. That was beautiful. So I am glad that that resonated with you. And I had a pretty good idea it was because you read a lot and you know exactly what I'm talking about. So that's that's 100% one thing. And another part to that is as well, everybody's perspective and everybody's journey is different. So one book could resonate with you like crazy and it's not going to resonate with somebody else. So it's only going through a lot of the books and letting yourself be attracted to a certain book that you need to get attracted to for that particular moment that's going to help you out. Now, that being said, Let's, let me just rapid fire some books that changed my lives. And I think these are, as I looked at your list as well, I know some of them are going to resonate. First and foremost, would have to be Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I think that's the top of the list, almost like the Bible of like personal development. So that's up there. Another one that did it for me, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are going to agree with, is a Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. A lot of real estate people have started with that, but not only real estate, just have a different perception of like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, there's other ways to think. Oh, there's other ways to approach this. There's a rich and a poor way and that whole aspect. So that was amazing. 
other than that, I am a huge fan. And now I'm just going to go like names of some authors. I'm a huge fan of Robert Greene, The 48 Powers of Law, uh, The Law of Human Nature. I'm a huge fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza, uh, the, the Power of Placebo, as like understanding that whole dichotomy and understanding your, your, your mind and how to fix certain things with it, with meditation and so on and so forth. That's another one. Other than that, I mean, I, I could name it till tomorrow morning. I'm like looking at my books right now. But yeah, I feel like, those ones really uh, nailed it home with me. Another one I can mention as well is As a Man Thinketh by Viktor Frankl, a, a altruist survivor. Uh, just, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Well, I don't know about you, brother, but I don't have the opportunity to sit down with somebody that gone through a concentration camp. That's just crazy. No. And then if you have this opportunity to get a book and read 200 pages that has been eloquently worded and put together for you to read you would be, sorry to say, stupid not to read it. And not I just totally this one book. Agree. I'm talking about books in general. Like my last year, I do always like a top 10 and have it on my YouTube channel, my top 10 books of uh, 2020 that I read and whatever the case is. And the top book was um, uh, Bob Iker's book. He essentially was the CEO of Disney for 15 plus years. This man was a CEO of Disney. He bought, when he was with Disney, um, Pixar he did the deal that got um, Fox under uh, Disney. He did the deal that got Star Wars under Disney. And he did the deal that got Marvel under Disney, even before Marvel put out any Marvel movie. Think about the knowledge this man has. And at the end of the book, he goes about telling everything that he's learned. Another one, like this is the last one I'm going to say, because I could rant about <laughs> this until tomorrow morning. But I know you have this on this list, and I want to bring this up. Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. He's the co-founder of Nike. This book was probably one of the most eloquently written books I have ever read. Completely surprised me. Those are the books I love the most. I'm just picking it up and I don't know. And then I start reading. It. I'm like, what the heck? This book tells you the journey. It explains the journey of how he started Nike. And throughout the whole process, you're almost thinking, oh my God, this guy's not, it's never going to make it. It's not going to happen. And you know what Nike is now a multi-billion dollar <laughs> industry like company. But like, as you're reading, you're like, oh, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. So there's a lot of ways as an entrepreneur that you should read these because what it does is, this is where it comes in really important. It breaks apart that comparison that everybody does. People compare somebody else's step 75 to your step 17. It doesn't mean you're not going to get there. You're just comparing their step 17. You want to see their step seven and step 17? Go check out their books. You want to go find out how come freaking Kevin Hart is killing it as a comedian? Go read his book. How many times did he struggle? You got freaking like food thrown on him on on stage. And now he's selling out arenas, selling out freaking like crazy everywhere. So it's that process that is really important. And back to the Phil Knight, the last two pages of the book, if I remember correctly, he says... I wrote this book for my grandkids. And these are the top things that I learned about life. And in two pages, he says like the top 10 things. Just <laughs> buy the book and read those 10 things. The guy that started freaking Nike. He's telling his life like, hey, if you follow these rules in life, you're going to succeed. And he wrote that for his grandkids. So if you're not reading it, then you're not getting it. So anyways, that's my little rant about books and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, we could, we could have two hours of a conversation just about books. I, I can, I can see that right now. And, and, and the other piece that I'll just say is that when you start a book and when you finish a book, you're a different person, every single one. And when you compound that, 
the compound effect of your identity and who you become and the ideas that you create and, you know, the wisdom that you can instill and bring from other people without going through the pain that they went through to bring that to you is an amazing, amazing gift. And the other thing too, is like, I, I was thinking about you, you had me thinking about a book called what it takes uh, by Steven Schwartzman. And at the end of it, you know, he's the guy's worth $50 billion. He's one of the richest people in the world. He started, uh, Uh, Blackstone. And at the end of it, it's like three pages of like, here's my top 10, you know, suggestions for you. And it's like, this is crazy valuable. And it costs you $14 to buy the book. So all it does is it costs you time. It's a time investment. So man, our passion for books is palpable. And it's, it's, it's definitely, it's so funny because our friends, the friends who know us, they're like, I can't wait to hear them talk about books. I already know that. I, I already know that right now. So my man, this, th- that was amazing. I would love to know from you, aside from, you know, the habits that we talked about earlier, the nighttime routine, the morning routine, what, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Okay, great question. And I have like a bunch of questions for you as well. I feel like we can rant. I'm trying to be respectful for your time because I know that you have a time frame for this podcast. But what's the best way that I, uh, that I go to the next level is my why. Once again, I think we, we kind of talked about it, but it's, it's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that's to respect our creator, your creator, the universe to what he wants me to do. And that's the best way I do it because it gets hard, man. Like entrepreneurship is not easy. This journey is not easy. If anybody tells you otherwise, they're lying or they're just ignorant, unfortunately. So the only way you continue is when you know that, hey, there's that purpose. And for me, my purpose is in some way, shape or form, this might be crazy, but I want to impact a billion lives before I die. And impacting a billion lives is not necessarily, God willing, it'll be face-to-face if it's possible in some way, shape or form. But like I said, it could be as simple as I said something here that resonated with somebody and they give it to somebody else and so on and so forth. And that goes into my billions of people that I've helped. Because here, let me tell you something. I'm not telling you anything that I didn't learn from my mentors, from my coaches, from my books and so on and so forth. Life is a question of just transmitting information. And if we do it at such a high level, then everybody will live their purpose. So that's what gets me going. That's what makes me continue during the struggles of an entrepreneurship. That's what gets you going towards that success and that desire to continue. So it's my why to serve others. That's beautiful. And that really leads me into my last question for you, which is what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? (laughs) Great question. That is a phenomenal question. Here's the way I do it. It's impossible to elevate people around you. Let me unpack that. I'm a coach. Legit, bro. I've done like hundreds and hundreds of hours of coaching. I'm a speaker. I've done spoken in front of thousands of people, so on and so forth, Fortune 500 companies. But the only person, really the only person I can control is myself. It's impossible. I can't control anybody else. I don't can't put a gun to their head and do this, do that. Can't tell you, hey, wake up at this time. And then I'm like, no, the only person I can control is me. Now, this is where it's beautiful. This is where it becomes impactful. As I control myself, And I live my highest purpose at such a high level. The light within me becomes so powerful, so strong that it's that that attracts other people to live within their life, within their purpose and within their light. So the only way I could impact anybody else is if I live myself at the highest purpose of how Christopher Dedian should live. And if I do that, then that will inspire, impact other people to live their purpose and they will do the same thing and this will trickle down. And then as a society, like I've mentioned a couple of times, we will go forward with more love, joy, happiness, respect, and empathy. And that's all I can wish for. Christopher Dedion dropping the mic. Oh my goodness. I am ready. 
I'm ready to run through a wall right now. I'm ready to do big things. You're inspiring me. You're inspiring so many in Elevate Nation. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd share with Elevate Nation before we wrap today? And listen to your gut, live your purpose, enjoy life. And if you're not, it's okay. You could be in a process in your, in your life that you're not there yet, but start looking towards it. It's just a question of time. Just find your purpose. That's what I could say. Live towards it. And if you want to know how to, man, listen to this superstar, Tyler. He knows what he's talking about. Listen to his podcast. Listen to his guests. You want to know more about me? Come check me out on my uh, YouTube channel, uh, Christopher Dedian on YouTube. Go check out my content. Everything's Christopher Dedian. And if I can support you guys in any way, please don't hesitate at all. Yeah. And we'll put links in the show notes of where you can find Chris everywhere across, whether it's social media, YouTube, his website, and his special offer. If you want to check him out in terms of coaching, we'll put a link in the show notes of where you can really learn more about him and have a free 30 minute coaching discovery call. And Chris, my goodness, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, my brother. I really appreciate it. And yeah, thank you for blessing me with this conversation. Oh my goodness. It is all my pleasure, my friend. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.